Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. It makes no sense, man, that God is just so faithful to us uh, that he allows us to come together. We could, you know, he could have saved us and then we worship, you know, at the throne forever but he's so gracious that he actually lets us do life together which is which is y'all happy about doing life together y'all ain't got nothing back from y'all y'all happy about doing life together all right all right let's get to business y'all this is my responsibility to preach the word grab your bibles devices uh, whatever it is that contains the word of god skip your emails please that tinder app it can wait just skip skip it all skip it all get to get to joshua somebody like don't come from my tinder app pastor b I'll switch the T's, bypass the TikTok, bypass the TikTok. If you can get to Joshua, we'll be in Joshua chapter six. Um, Really excited about this passage. I want to give a quick shout out, and he was just up here, but I'm going to give a quick shout out to Pastor Caleb uh, for holding it down last week, y'all, holding it down. Just such a such a powerful word. And man, I don't know if y'all are noticing or seeing it, but he just jumped right into pastoring and is just doing such a phenomenal job. And um, I, I, amen, amen. I, I submit to him. I personally just trust him. I trust him with my family. And I just believe that God's hand is on him and can't wait to see uh, what the Lord is going to do with him. But also there's a whole bunch of y'all in this room that God is putting their hand on you. And I just want to see what God does with you as well. I will say this about me and Pastor Caleb. Uh, we talked about this in our elders meeting. I promise y'all, we do love the Bronx. I promise y'all, like, I, we love the Bronx. I promise y'all. We just slip some, you know, it's just a love for Brooklyn that I can't explain. But we do, we do love the Bronx, just not as much as Brooklyn. All right, let's get to work, y'all. Uh, I also want to take a second to thank God for, and man, I was praying I was praying for so many of you this week. Michelle, you came to mind. It's just so many of you. And as I think about those who are serving and have served for so long or whether you just started serving, I just want to take a second and thank God for every single person in this room that serves the church. It's amazing, y'all. And, you know, it's really easy to walk in and say hi to the people, you know, that are greeting you in the morning. It's really easy to drop your kids off upstairs and And, you know, just kind of move on. But, man, there's a lot that goes into keeping not just a Sunday service going, but keeping uh, the church going. There's a lot, and there's a lot of people that are behind the scenes. There's visible people that y'all see, right? Y'all see the sound people and the welcome team. Uh, You might not see the tech team. You know, you've seen the worship team up here. They're not in here right now. They usually slip out for a smoke break uh, during the sermon. I think. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm serious. I'm not sure. They slip somewhere. But um, but no, they they are uh, they're visible, and you know you see them, and I think if we're not careful, we won't you know pay attention to how much people give of their time and wake up in the mornings to get here, and they give of their thought and innovation, and we have such amazing leaders. Ty can't stop talking every time we meet someone or talk to someone. If we're at a pastors gathering, the first thing she's going to talk about is the leaders and the volunteers. Because you guys really are, I mean, you got your hand to the plow, and by God's grace, we're able to keep the church going. So I just want to take a second and just say thank you. We love y'all. We love y'all. And those of you who don't serve, um, I'm not sure if you love Jesus. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. There's spots for you, though. We got spots for you. I should get into the Bible before I get in trouble. 
Joshua 6 is where we're going to hang out. I'm going to start reading at verse 1, but let me just say, before we even dig in, there are times when I preach and I'm not like fully clear or um, not fully confident that the word even penetrated. And I'll, I'll pull people aside and be like, man, did that, did that even make sense? Um, today is one of those days I feel real confident. I, I feel real clear. I feel really, really clear. And this passage was has been foundational to breed um, not just clarity, but how many know that clarity breeds confidence? And so I, there's a bit of confidence that I walked into this week. By God's grace, he let me get to Joshua 6, and I'm so thankful. Won't you pick me up in verse 1? Are you there? All right, verse 1 says, Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, please, please pay attention to this. I have given Jericho into your hands with its kings and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war, going around the city once. So we know that the the army is marching here. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. Verse five. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, Then all of the people shall shout with a great shout and the wall of the city, Jericho city will fall down flat and the people shall go up everyone straight before him. Once you jump down to verse 20, verse 20 says, so the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. And as soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout and the wall fell down flat, just like they said, y'all. So that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and the city was captured, they, and they captured the city. I want to preach today. Um, man, I feel this is so prophetic. I want to preach from the topic, walking in what's next. Just look at somebody and just say, are you walking in what's next? Let's look to the Lord. Father, we thank you. We thank you for how committed you are to telling the truth. And your word is an example of that. You are a man, the Bible tells us that you're not a man that you should lie, nor the son of the man, the son of man that you should repent. You don't lie. You tell the truth and your word is truth. And your Bible tells us to sanctify your, it sanctifies us, sanctify them through your truth for your word is your truth. So father, I pray today that as we open up this story that some of us never have heard, and then some of us might've heard, Lord, I pray, oh God, that you would reveal something fresh, that you would give us insight. Lord, I thank you, oh God that you do supernatural stuff when we read your word. So I pray, oh God, that you would begin to work on the hearts of people. May we learn something. I'm grateful for academics, but I pray for transformation today. I pray for boldness. I pray for confidence. I pray for clarity. The same thing I felt this week. Oh God, may you let it reverberate around the room. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Walking in, what's next? Um, When I first since a calling to plant Epiphany Church, which was at the end of 2012, going into 2013, um, I remember like just really, really, I didn't have detail, but I remember having a sense of strong clarity. And, and, and as I said, you know, that clarity helped me to walk in a different level of confidence. I didn't, we didn't have people, we didn't have resources, we didn't have a building, we didn't, we didn't have anything. And I remember going to Ty and telling her what I, what I felt like the Lord was saying. And, and, and Ty is, you know, just such a great person to 
cast vision too because she's going to ask you the right questions. And I felt so bad because there were, there were some questions she was asking me that I just didn't have the answer to, primarily because whenever God puts a vision into your heart, the vision usually starts out in the infant stage and it has holes in it. So Ty was asking me questions, and I wanted to be like, woman, stop asking me questions. Was, the Lord said do it, and, but she was asking questions. What she was doing was she was helping to shape and put some, some, some crystallizing the idea of, this, uh, of, of starting a church. And um, it's so interesting that, you know, when it comes to vision, I don't know why I feel led to say this early on. I might say it again later, but let me say it early. Be careful of who you share your vision with in its infancy stage. Because there are some of you that God has put something in your heart and, and, and you know it's from the Lord and it's clear. You, ain't, you, don't, you don't need to be like you are clear on, on the fact that it's from the Lord. But some of you have aborted the mission because God put it in your heart and it didn't, wasn't able to stand up against the critiques of people because it had holes in it and probably because it was an infant. I don't know if this is making sense. And I'm telling you, there are some people that you that you too quickly went to people. You're going to see there's a moment where Israel does what God says and they shut up when they're doing it. There's a moment where God puts something in your heart. And in that infancy stage, you got to you just got to let it have time to bake and marinate. But so many of us are so excited and so anxious that God says, cook the biscuits on 350 and we cook them on 500. And the outside's done, but the inside is raw and mushy. And I just wonder, I don't know, is anybody in the room, you're like, I feel like God is speaking. I don't know what he's doing, but I feel like I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring us something. I'm going to look at the hand. I'm going to bring us something new. And those of you who didn't raise your hands, I bet you it's because you just don't know it yet. But I, I woke up this morning and prayed for this room and I prayed for the room next door and I prayed for those online and those in the first service because I am confident, I'm so confident that God is doing two things. Number one, I think he's stirring up something individually within you. But I also am 100% confident that he's doing something crazy with the church. And I don't, I don't fully know what it is, but anybody know that feeling? We're just on the brink. We're on the brink of something new. And while you're navigating this season, see, Ty was a good person to go to, but some of you went to best friends and you thought they was praying for you when really they were gossiping your demise. Careful with the vision early on. The vision ain't ready to go out for public scrutiny. It won't hold up, y'all. It won't hold up because it's too fresh and it has holes in it. I'm preaching already, y'all. I really, I, I, I feel like I woke up. I don't, I'm not trying to be arrogant. I just, I just am confident that God is speaking to the room this morning. And so the first thing I did was I went to Ty and I said, hey, babe, this is what, this is what I think God is calling us to. And, you know, we went, through a, we went through a whole process. Like we did, I think, four, like these called church plant evaluations, we actually did a psychological evaluation to make sure we wasn't crazy. I'm not kidding. Remember that, baby? We met with a doctor, and they asked all these questions. And in my mind, I'm going, we starting a church? Yeah, we crazy. In Brooklyn, yeah, we crazy. But we just believed that God, you know, was with us. So then I, after a time, I felt really good about it. I ran to Dr. Mason, my, my spiritual father, my pastor, and I said, here's what I think God is. I still wasn't ready. I said, this is what I think God is calling us toward, and I'll never forget, he immediately, God was already putting it on his heart, and he immediately said, I believe that God is calling you also. But then he said these next words, but you ain't ready, you need two years to prepare. Now, I'm just the type of person, I'm, I'm, I'm just a little anxious, like I'm impulsive, and so I feel like if God told me to do something, I want to pack up the family, and I want to move tonight. But Pastor E is like, no, 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 slow down just a second. 
I think you need two years to prepare. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but preparation often feels like wasted time. It feels like a wasted season, especially if you got a word from the Lord. But in those two years, God did some amazing things. Number one, he crystallized those holes in that infancy. He crystallized the vision. He provided resources. He gave me the ability to stand before, in two years, gave me the ability to stand before people and say, man, this is what God is calling us to, and then be able to get money so that we could start the church, donors and resources like God provided. You know what else he, you know what else he did? He built me up. Because if Pastor E would have said, go ahead out in 2013, I would have made a mess of things. He said, you, knew, he, you need two years. Your preaching ain't strong, so I'm going to let you preach here. But I'm going to put you in my office, and I'm going to tell you all the things you did wrong. I'm not joking. This is how he did me. Your counseling ain't right, so therefore I'm going to let you sit in. I'm going to let you sit in on meetings. You don't know how to do a budget. How do you manage a church budget? How do you make sure that you're doing things the right way? I got to train you. I got to teach. And some of y'all think I'm still talking about me. I'm not talking about that brink. Because you're on the brink and you think the wasted season right now isn't the Lord. But listen to me, school is not wasted time. I'm talking to somebody that's in school right now and you're tired and you're sick of it and you're ready for graduation. Don't rush too quickly to the finish line. God is doing something in the process right now. You think that that business plan and that training that you're working on is wasted time. But I think that God is developing specific skills that you're going to need in the next, you think the character that you are being developed with is ready, but it's not ready for the next season because there's two things that you'll fold under. You will fold if, the, if, if it's slow and the, whatever it is that you're, you're pushing for, if you get in the season is slow, you'll fold. But the second thing is you'll fold under the, the weight of success too. And some of you think you're so ready and God is like, slow down. There's a season of preparation so that when you walk into What's next? You're going to have some different level of confidence. And so look at your neighbor and just say, we're on the brink of something different. Now, don't check out on this part because I got to give context. I, I promise you it'll keep me up all night if I do not give you all context because we're parachuting in to Joshua 6. And I know that everybody that's in this room and next door, don't, do we, you may not know of this story. So I'm going to act like we all, none of us know. So I'm just going to go, just kind of walk you through context in, in this part of of Israel's history, God's chosen people. In this part of their history, they've already been delivered out of Egypt. Y'all remember the story, right? Y'all seen the prince of Egypt? They were in, they were in, uh, in, 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 in uh, bondage and slavery in Egypt. And the God, raised, God raises up Moses. And I'm leaving stuff out, but you know the Bible says that, that that Moses comes up to a bush that's burning, but it's not being consumed. This is very important. These next words, because God then says to him, "Take off your shoes," because this is. Thank y'all. This is holy ground. And so that's going to become important in a second. So we know Moses is now getting this calling to go deliver the people from Israel. He goes in and y'all know the back and forth that he has with Pharaoh. Let my people go. No, 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 no. And they go through all this stuff and the ten plagues come. And then finally they let them go. And the Bible tells us that they crossed the Red Sea. So the Red Sea has happened already. They've been fed with manna in the wilderness already. At this point, water has already come out the rock. At this point, they have already received the laws and the commandments, which, by the way, is a real good progression to what it looks like to be saved. Because many people will tell you in order to be saved, you got to follow all of these lists of things. Israel was delivered out and then they got the commandments. So in other words, I don't behave to be saved. I behave because I am saved. Okay, so the Bible says context that Moses 
wanders the wilderness for two years, Numbers, Numbers 13. After he wanders for two years, he says, it's time. God tells him, it's time for me to put the people into the promised land. Not that I promised you, Moses, but that I told Abraham. And so Moses says, okay, I'm going to send 12 spies into Canaan. And I'm sending 12 because that's the number of tribes. And I'm going to pick out the best of the best of each tribe. Now, I told I was joking with Pastor Caleb earlier. Now, I'm not talking about him, but there's another Caleb in Scripture that's one of the 12. And he's a unique guy. You know why? Because he comes from the biggest and strongest of the tribes. He comes from Judah. And Judah had 76,000, probably seven, closer to 77,000 um, people in their army. Out of everybody that was wandering this wilderness and in this tribe of Judah, it is Caleb that rises to the rank. He's the cream of the crop, which says to me, many of you are going, what's next? What's next? What's next? For Caleb, his faithfulness didn't start in the promised land. His faith, he was able to rise as the most, most, uh, uh, the best person in, in Israel's army. He rose in the wilderness. So some of y'all are going, oh, what's pastor be preaching about? You preaching about what's next. Some of you need to pay attention to what's now because you lusting after what's next. And God is like, there's faithfulness in this season. You trying to get over the finish line, but I got some stuff I want you to do in this season. How many know your character matters now? How many know that commitment matters now? Develop that discipline now. Stop looking for someday. So anyway, context the Bible says that Moses sends 12. If you know the story, 10 come back. Caleb comes back and the other one comes back and they are, they are crystal clear. We can overtake it. We can do it. They come back with a positive report. I don't know what the percentage is, but 10 of them come back and they have a negative report. God is so aggravated that they got a negative report. He's like, man, I'm going to kill the whole generation. Do you realize that since Numbers 13 and to the point we're at in Joshua 6, 38 years have passed? Now, remember, they first sent spies in two years out. So that means 40 years they've been wandering the wilderness when really they could have been in now for 38 years, but they've been wandering. And God has been faithful to sustain them throughout this process. So here we are in, jo in Joshua 6. There's context. We are now at the point where Moses has died. Joshua has raised, uh, rose into, risen to be the leader now. And now that he's risen to be the leader, he's now sending spies in. By the way, notice he doesn't send 12. Too many. Two. And he sends two in. And the Bible says that they come back with a good report. And now it's time. Here it is for them to go from that brink to what's next. That's the context we find ourselves in. There's some stuff in here, man, that, that, oh, thank you, Jesus, that messed me up this week. Verse number one, now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. Verse two, and the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. What is so interesting about Israel right now on the brink and preparing for battle against Jericho, what's so interesting is honestly in Israel's history, they don't have many, they don't have many battles. Up until this point, the only battle, real battle that they have, and me and Pastor Caleb was talking about this, was the Amalekites. And, and that's, that's it. That's when Moses' arms was getting weak and they hold up. That's the only battle. And, and even in that battle, they ain't really like fight, fight. And so it's like, it like an argument almost. And so they, they don't, at this point, Israel isn't really skilled in battle. 
They, the, the last nation they faced before the Amalekites was Egyptians. And if I read that story right, they went running scared across the Red Sea. We read that and be like, oh, God opened the Red Sea. But what about the hearts of the people? They were afraid of the Egyptians. So in other words, they ain't really nice with their hands. We don't, we don't know what kind of weapons they have. We don't know if their soldiers have been trained. All we know is that they are woefully unprepared for this battle. All we know is that if they get into this battle absent of Jesus Christ, they will be annihilated. But there's something that, that, that happens in verse 2 that gives them assurance. I don't know if you read it, but it says, I've given Jericho to you. Can I read that? I have given Jericho into your hands. And so in other words, Israel won the battle and they have not fought yet. And this battle that they're about to win is not because of their skills. The battle that they're not about to win is not because of weapons. It is not a battle strategy. See, when I said you're on the brink of your next, you immediately said, yes, my skills and, and, and my charisma. And you thought about your connections. But the reality is the battle isn't going to be won because you did anything. The battle is. Oh, thank you. The battle is won because of who's with you. Oh, God, if I could say it differently, it's not about what's in you. It's about who's with you. And if God be for me. Okay, I'm getting excited. Your skills and resume will not help you in the next season. Your bank account, your connections. I know her and she can get me in. Your networking, like all bring all of that to the table. But right now, Israel's about to win this battle. No, forget that. They've already won the battle and they haven't even beat anybody yet. They haven't pulled out a sword yet. This warfare is won because the battle belongs to the Lord. Somebody say the battle belongs to the Lord. Now, I don't know if you think like I think, but man, I, when I read stuff like this, I, get, I, I try to get deep into the text. And verse 2 said to me that I have given Jericho into your hands and given the kings and the mighty men of valor of Jericho. I'm giving all of them to you. Now, I read that and I'm like, the next verse is going to be like, now all y'all got to do is sit back and just watch me smite everybody. That's what I think. But the next verse doesn't say that. It says, now you shall march around the city. Wait, you just told me you gave Jericho into my hands, and now you're telling me to get my... You want me to participate when you've already beat them? Why are you calling me to participate in what you've already said has been given to us? Now, see, some of you in this room, I know how we are. Because I'm reading something and building up confidence in your spirit that God is with you. But sometimes, if you're not careful, that will produce lazy Christians. And you think that as long as you prayed about it and you walked away from it, you can do nothing. God is like, no, no, no. The networking still needs to happen. The business plan still needs to be created. Going back to school still needs to happen. And the reason these things happen is because, yes, I've given Jericho to you. And yes, the wall will come down. But you got to participate even in this miracle. Okay, I'm preaching to somebody right now that has for a long season kind of just been waiting for the Lord. And I'm not telling you not to wait, but I am telling you to work while you wait. I'm telling you to work while you wait, because for a long time, you've just been sitting back and twiddling your thumbs and waiting for the Lord to do something crazy. And he will do something crazy, but he always invites us to participate in what it is that he's doing. Oh, I forgot to read this. Go back to chapter five just real quick. If you want your phone, just, just click back one. Look at chapter five. Because chapter 5 shows me why we win the battle. In chapter 5, verse 13, it says, When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, 
And behold, a man was standing before him with, with, uh, with a sworn draught in his hand. And Joshua said to him, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And the man said, no, meaning, no, I'm not for your adversaries, but I am the commander of the Lord's army and I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped him and said, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, "Uh oh, take off your shoes. Oh, man, I hope you all are catching this. He says, take off your shoes for, from your feet. For the place that you are standing is holy ground. Y'all remember when I said Moses was at the bush and God said, take off your shoes. No angel will tell you to take off your shoes. Ground becomes holy when God's presence hits you. And so in other words, the commander of the Lord's army, here's the confidence. I got confidence because I'm realizing that the one who's with me is the commander of the Lord's. Oh, that's Jesus Christ. This is what theologians will call a theophany. This is the, 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 you see Jesus born in Matthew, but I see him present in Joshua chapter 5. And he's standing there with a sword and he's, he's ready to, to go to battle. And this is why I got confidence. Okay, I promise y'all for the last four to five months, I have kind of been in this, I feel like I'm in this holding pattern. Can't explain it. I feel like, in fact, the language that I used to several of our leaders was I feel like I hit a brick wall on leadership and vision. Like, I just don't know what to do. You know, people are coming to church. Praise God. I, you know, I, I'll get up and I'll open up the word and praise God. But I, I want to I be a leader that is able to, to see into the future and see insight and be able to lead God's people to the best of my ability. But for four to five months, since I came back from sabbatical, it's just been kind of just silent. I'm going, God, like, Lord, I, I need you to speak. I need you to say something. And I was getting discouraged. Oh, but I got to Joshua 6. And let me tell you something. I really, really believe the word. Like, I, I'm not reading and preaching this because I think it's a cute story. I'm reading and preaching this because the commander of the Lord's army is on my right side and he's ready to fight for me. And so I got a new level of confidence this week. Four to five months, I've been silent. Four to five months, I've been trying to figure it out. But oh, Monday, Monday, I got to Joshua 6. No, in fact, Monday, I got to Joshua 1, where Joshua 1, 9 says, don't be afraid of them, for the Lord is with you. And so God has breathed. He's given me a new level of confidence based on Joshua chapter 6. And my question to you is, as you are on the brink, where is your confidence? What level of confidence do you have and what Jesus is about to do. So the Bible says, he says, man, take off your shoes, man. This is this holy ground. I think there's a new level of confidence that Joshua had. He runs back in chapter six and he tells the people, this is what we're about to do. And as he tells the people what they're about to do, I wonder if they were like, okay, the Lord has given us Jericho. Let's go. And I wonder if they packed their stuff up and they got to Jericho. Watch this. And now they got an obstacle. Look at verse number, number three. Man, Lord, I pray that this is hitting the all spirit. Verse number three says, you shall march around the city and all of the men of war around the city once. Thus shall you do it for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times and the priest shall blow the trumpet. And when they make a blast, the Bible says that the, 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 the horn, when you hear it, the sound of the trumpet, the people shall shout a great shout and the wall of the city shall fall down flat. Now, I need you to pay attention to this. I wonder if the insecurity of, man, we don't know how to fight. 
you know, this is Jericho. You know, we, we don't really, you don't know of anywhere besides here where Jericho was overtaken. So, man, they must have a pretty solid army. And so finally, Joshua builds up confidence, says the Lord is with us, the Lord is with us. And then they finally get to Jericho, and then there's a 41-foot wall in front of them. Obstacle. And here's the crazy part about the 41-foot wall, that even if they were able to climb up it, which they would have had their army positioned on the wall. Can you imagine them trying to climb down 41 feet, fully exposed to the... I wonder if they got to the wall and saw that Jericho was well fortified, and I wonder if discouragement hit in. I wonder if they... They don't have helicopters. They, they don't have drones. They, they don't have planes. They have their bodies and a few little rinky-dink swords, and they see this massive... Y'all ain't paying... See, what we do is we read this stuff, and we don't put ourselves into the scripture. But if you walk up to this huge, massive wall, and I already feel insecure, I'm going to be like, I'm just going to go home. Let's wander another 40 years. We're comfortable. Let's, let's not overtake that. Let's not try to do this. This is suicide. Why would we try to, to do this? But I, I think what God is doing, and I want to help you. Yes, Jericho conquering, uh, uh, Israel conquering Jericho is impossible. It, it, without God, it's, it's unachievable. It, it, it's, it's, uh, it's unthinkable. But I wonder if God wanted them to get up to the wall to see the impossibility. I, I, wanted, I wonder if he wanted, and some of you, I think that's where you are in life. He has you in school and you feel overwhelmed. He wants you to see how impossible it is without him. Some of you are going through marriage issues and you're trying to figure it out and he wants you to see how impossible it is without him. Some of you are trying to figure out uh, what's going on in life and what God does is he stacks the odds against you because when he removes the obstacle, he wants you to say, can't nobody do that. But the Lord. And some of you are at the wall. Right? Like you're at the wall. You finally got enough confidence to say to yourself, maybe I can do it. And then you get there and you step out and then there's another obstacle. And I wonder if God put that obstacle in place because what God does is he specializes in the impossibility. He specializes when you feel overwhelmed. When you've reached your wits end is when God normally steps in. He normally don't step in too soon. He normally steps in when you've exhausted all avenues, but what's impossible for you is peanuts for God. What's impossible for you is a, is a snap of his divine finger. God is not in heaven right now pulling out the blueprints of the wall going, oh, how am I going to get around this wall? No, he's like, I can blow the wall down if I wanted to blow the wall down because we serve a God that likes you to see the wall. And then he takes it down. I know this is a word for somebody. I promise you it is. So the Bible says that what God told Joshua to do was to have them start walking. And I always contemplate, why are they walking? First of all, how many times are they walking? Right? I always thought that they walked seven times. Right? And then the wall came down. But if you read this text, verse 3 and 4, it says that they walk once a day for six days. And then it says that the seventh day they walk seven times. So that's a total, if I, if I know math right, that's a total of 13 times they walked around the wall. And here's the question, as they're walking, I wonder if, they're, if God has them on a tour to see their impossibility. So I can walk around, I can say, on Monday, I can be like, oh, I see a, I see a hole. 
we'll come back tomorrow. We'll, we'll, we'll get through that hole. And you come back on Tuesday, and then Jericho, they done passed up the darn hole. And you walk in, and Wednesday you come, you're like, oh, that wall's smaller there. I can jump over top of that. And you come back on Thursday, and then Jericho got people on top of the wall. And so every angle of what you are going through, you are looking, and God is showing you, it's impossible. You can't do it. Look at that. You can't do that. But with me, you can do it. And so the Bible says that 13 times, they simply walked around the wall. Now, here's the thing God showed me. Because some of you are like, God just wants me to see the impossibility. But I think God wants Jericho to see you walking. Because some of you think that God only wants to expose his glory to you. But I think God wants to expose his glory to your adversaries. I think God wants to expose his glory to your enemies. I think God wants to expose his glory to the doubters and the people who said you're not going to make it. Somebody in this room has given up too quick when God has said, walk. Just walk. I'm telling you, I prophesy that somebody that got denied the bank loan needs to go back. You're giving up too quick. Ah, wait a second, Matthias. There is some, there's somebody in the room that you're walking and God has, you've gotten a no for the promotion. You need to go back to the boss and say, I know you gave me a no, but I need you to look at that again. Because I was on the sixth day then, now I'm on the... I'm walking on the seventh day. I'm getting dizzy. God is very clear. He's very clear in the scripture that I want you to walk. And there are some of you that are giving up so quickly because God, he has you in a pattern of just doing the same pace over and over again. It's like getting up and I got to go to work and I got to do it all over again. And God is like, that is the time that I opened the door when I got you in a rhythm of walking. Somebody say walking. So I wonder that the wall that comes down isn't necessarily just for you to see. I bet you Jericho was like, these fools showed up again. And then every day they just, they come and they walk around the wall. Imagine Jericho. And then they go sit down and they go back to their camp. And then the next day they wake up and they come. Oh, by the way, I need you to notice mm, that 12 of the 13 times they walked in silence. I got to read it because y'all didn't believe me. That year wasn't right. Look, look, look at what the scripture says. The, the, the Bible says, where am I at? Verse four. Verse four says, seven priests shall bear the trumpets of the horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times and the priest shall blow the trumpet. And when they make a long blast of the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then the people shall shout. Now notice, you only shout when you heard the, the ram's horn. The ram's horn was only, was only blown at the 13th time. But verse 10, verse 10 says, but Joshua commanded the people, you shall not shout or make your voices heard. Neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day that I tell you. And this is the problem. We so immature because you get the vision. And the first thing you got to do is run and blab and tell everybody and tell everybody. And God is like, shut your mouth and just walk. Because it is in the walking that I begin to reveal more to you. And I begin to crystallize for you. And so finally you'll get to 13. But many of you are still at 12. You are still at 12. And this is why I said be careful of who you share the vision with too soon. Too quickly. Because you're sharing the vision with people that a few critiques in the vision is done. When God is like, that's because you weren't on the 13th time. You, you are still on the 12th. And, I, and this season, I just need you to walk. By default, if he told them to shout on the 13th, by default, 
that means that the battle was mostly silent. See, we think crazy chaos and, 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 and building. No, it's mostly silent. Nothing shows your immaturity like talking too much. Nothing, show, nothing shows our immaturity like being quick to, to, to run and, and, and tell everybody. But I, I don't know why I'm telling you it's the closest people to you that they, you think are praying for you and they're not praying for you, boo-boo. They're tearing it down and they're tearing the vision down. And many of you are stuck right now and have aborted what God has called you to do because you spoke when you should have been silent. I'm going to move on. There is a point where they do, they do start to make some noise. And it's in verse 20. Verse 20 says, so the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout. Here it is. And the wall fell flat. So the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Finally, they get to the 13th time and finally the priests start to blow the horn. And finally, Israel starts to make noise. Now, I got to say, everybody made noise because I think a lot of times we're like the people that are going to make noise, the praise team. Mm. The people, the priests, let them make noise. The Levites, let them make noise. But that's not the text. The Bible says that on the 13th time, when you hear the noise, everybody got to make a great sound. And I know how it is, man. This sounds like a praise break to me. I know how it is. We come into church and we just want to be cool, calm, collective. And some of y'all look so sophisticated and we just can't, you know, we come to church to read our Bibles and look at the screen and that's it. Don't bother me. I'll go somewhere else. You bother me. You make me do too much. man. But I wonder if people were uncomfortable in community praise. I wonder, I wonder if people were uncomfortable in this moment. Think about the army. Me and Pastor Caleb were talking between services and think about the army. If they do have training, it's not in shouting. If they got training, it's in. So imagine how uncomfortable it was for Joshua to say, army, this is what we're going to do. Put the training away and actually need you to get out of your comfort zone and make some noise. And here's the here's here's what I just want to ask. Just a small question. Small question. Is God not worthy of your uncomfortability? Okay, can we just practice for a second? Matthias, here I need you. Can we practice for a second and give God some praise in this room like he actually is going to pull the wall down? Oh, get out your comfort zone. Get out your comfort zone. Can we open up our mouth and give God some praise in this room? Come on, is he worthy? Come on, is he worthy? Come on, is he worthy back there? Is he worthy? Glory to Jesus. It's Psalm 100. Why y'all sitting? Why y'all sitting? It's Psalm 100 that says, make a joyful noise. The Bible tells us that we should praise them with the loud clashing symbols. And then it goes on to say, let everything. Look at your neighbor and say, are you everything? Look at your neighbor and say, are you everything? I don't know if you got a disposition of praise or not, but I need somebody to open your mouth one more time. Give Jesus some praise. Come on, you're too poised. You're too calm. You're too collective. You serve a God that's pulling walls down, that's breaking strongholds. Open your mouth and give God praise in the room. Woo! 
confident. I'm confident that the now I don't know about you. I'm confident that the next season of this church is gonna be pump crazy. But I'm also confident that the next season of your life is gonna be pump crazy. And I ain't just talking to people in the room. I'm talking to those of you who are next door. I'm talking to those of you who are online. God is about to open up a door and the question is, does the wall come down when you're silent? It doesn't. Comes down when we're giving them praise. What obstacles are in your way? What is hindering you? What's keeping you up at night? What has you nervous? What's hindered you from moving forward? When I said we're on the brink, what's going to push you past the brink? Look at your neighbor and say, what's going to push you past the brink? Can I get real charismatic? Your praise. You may be seated. You may be seated. I'm going to close up here, but I'm, I want to be very clear that there are so many in this room that's been walking for so long and you're so tired of walking and you're ready to give up. You came in here for me to yell at you and say, don't give up. That brink, what's next, can actually happen. But I promise you, you got to be prepared and ready. Preparation is not wasted time. We're going to move to a communion, but I want to pray for us first. Because I, I realize that there are several people in this room that even as I'm preaching, the enemy is speaking to you and showing you the impossibilities. And he's showing you how you can't do it. And some of you also, thank you, Lord, you're actually dreaming too low. The vision's here. You know how they do when you, they, dunk, they dunk on you in the NBA, they go like that? Your vision's down here. I believe that God wants you to even elevate. Do you know we serve in Ephesians 3.20, God, that he can do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think? And I believe that some of you, this year, you did your vision board. You better go back and redo it. Because it's just not broad enough. Double the money. Double the people. Double the vision. I believe that's what God can do. That's the type of God we serve. Father, I pray for everybody in this room. I don't need to call an altar call. I believe that every single person under the sound of my voice is on the brink. So Lord, I pray for them as an individual. Pray for their character. Pray for their integrity. I pray for their humility. But I also pray for their confidence, Lord. As you open up doors, oh God, I pray that they would be confident. That they would be confident, not because of what's in them, but because you're with them. May we have a different level of walk in this next season. A different pace, a different rhythm, a different commitment. As you called us at the top of this year, that this is, this is the year, oh God, where we are consistent that we would be consistent just as consistent as we was in the last season when we have nothing Lord I pray oh God that as you supply and as you add and as you as you give Lord I pray oh God that you would just continue to build up our humility and consistency Father as individual I pray for us as a church we are a church that wants to see people meet Jesus we want to see people locked in we want to see people's lives transformed and so, Lord, as you gave me clarity and 
gave me ideas and vision, Lord, I pray that the next season would be one that we marvel at the work of you. That we would see your hand, that the Nehemiah 2.18, the good hand of the Lord would be on this church. I pray against any spiritual warfare in this room. Pray that as you open doors and our adversaries are at those doors, stopping us from walking through, Lord, I pray that you would remove them as quick as you remove this wall. And Lord, I pray, oh God, that we wouldn't move far from praise. We wouldn't move far from prayer. We wouldn't move far from spiritual disciplines because we know, oh God, that those are the things that ground us and keep us. So keep us together as a community. But I pray in this next season that you would rebuke naysayers and gossipers. Pray that in this next season you would birth people of peace and unity and like-mindedness that we would all have a common goal and that's to run as fast as we can after your son Jesus. May that be the disposition of our next. So Lord, I'm confident. I can't wait to hear the testimonies. Can't wait to hear what you're going to do and how you're going to provide for these visions in this room and corporately how you provide for your church. It's in Jesus' name we pray.